0: rise to liberty podcast before we get going i'd like to ask all of you to like follow share subscribe rate and review the show head over to rise where you can find everything related to the show including voice messages you can head over to the website and leave a, leave a voice message to hear it played live on the show you can also head over to rise to for all the kick-ass merch we have finally don't forget to go to tomfor 52.com Thomas Queter is running for New York Senator and could use your help. So head on over to tomfor52.com and leave a donation. Greasyporcupines.org for all your auto repair needs in Arizona. Open Monday through Saturday, 24 hours a day. Just call 602-845-0105. There is a very awesome show planned today. We're joined by a very special guest. Our guest is a former web designer who sold his business in 2017 to focus on libertarian messaging, entertainment, and activism. He is a co owner of Muddied Waters Media, co host of the Muddied Waters of Freedom, and the host of My Fellow Americans, which you can find at muddiedwatersoffreedom.com. In 2020, he ran for Vice President of the United States on the Libertarian Ticket. Traveling the nation by bus and plane, he brought the message of liberty to tens of thousands of Americans. Today, he makes regular appearances on cable news networks, national syndicated radio, international media outlets, and podcasts such as Rise to Liberty. The best podcast you've never heard of. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend, Spike Cohen. How are you doing today? Thank you for... I'm doing good, Jacob. Thanks for having me on, man. How are you doing? Oh, not too bad. You know, just uh, dealing with, you know, the recent news, the exciting yes. news of the Biden mandates. Yes, finally, we're going to get COVID under control
1: by doing the same nonsense that we've been doing for the last year and a half. In fact, that's <laughs> actually why I'm, you know, dressed in my Sunday best on a Wednesday, on a Thursday night, um, because I, I just finished on Kennedy and... uh the uh this was announced uh, just a couple hours before I was going on and so all the things we were going to talk about ended up becoming about this and uh yeah we uh we I dove into it and and you know made it very clear this is if there wasn't if you haven't hit a line yet you know if the lockdowns weren't your line if uh you know the government not allowing testing for covid which is what allowed the virus to spread out of control in the US in the first place if if all these other things that they've done uh, giving away trillions of dollars to billionaire crony corporations that put them in office and sticking you with the bill for it for the next forty plus years. If all of that was not the line, if the if you know uh, this completely bungled uh, leaving of Afghanistan and and a bombing attack from ISK, which has been armed by the CIA up until at least three or four years ago, probably still ongoing now. If none of these things were the line, the government stepping in and telling your business your company, your employer or the company that you own, that they can't do business unless they require everyone to take a product from a major pharmaceutical company that has no liability for any potential uh, adverse effects uh, and also um, is completely subsidized um, and has this vaccine's only been around for a year or so. uh, So we don't know the long term effects of it completely dismantling the idea of uh, um, consenting uh, informed consent or the idea of um, the the idea of personal bodily autonomy. Uh, This is that line
0: and, uh, and we need to fight on it. Well, it also takes away body autonomy. I mean, my body, my choice, what happened to that? You know, and it's, it's really concerning to me that the government would come down so hard on businesses. I mean, I, I know some businesses can come in and have already chose to mandate it. Uh, I, I go back and forth on whether they can, you know, discriminate against, you know, a, a medical choice. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not exactly sure what the libertarian position is on that. Uh, do you have an opinion? on a per,
1: On a private company personally choosing to do it, yes. I think that absent government coercion, it wouldn't happen in the first place. Like this, this is what happens when you combine big government with big corporations and big media and big tech and big pharma, you get corporatism. And yeah. corporatism, as Mussolini put it, is the economic plank of fascism. We have fascism. And that's what we're seeing right now. So if some company, you know, if, if a small handful of companies said, Well, you know, if you want to work for us, we'd like for you to be vaccinated then that would allow employees to say, okay, either I'll get vaccinated or no, I'll find employment somewhere else. When the government steps in and says, everyone has to require it, now that's a problem. So that's like the difference between, you know, one or a small handful of companies saying, you know, we don't want to serve white people or we don't want to yeah. serve black people or we don't want to serve Jewish people or or we only want to serve races, you know, separated from each other and and us going, all right, fine, you can do that, but I'll never come in here again. And what happened during Jim Crow where the government actually mandated that all businesses had to do that. That's what this is. This is that mandate. This is government force. You know, absent that government force, I don't think most, of these companies would even be doing it. Well, we know most of these companies wouldn't be doing it because they haven't been doing it uh, prior to this. And yeah. if a small handful of companies decided that they wanted to do it, absent any government guidance or coercion or, or pressure to do so, um, because even some of these companies that came out and and mandated this on, on their own before um, the government has now stepped in and said that they're going to be mandating it across the board, um, these were all companies that are heavily, heavily involved with government. Which means, A, they knew this was coming down the pike more than likely, and B, they were being told, if you want those contracts, those no-bid contracts, if you want this continued corporatist relationship, public-private relationship between us and your company, you're going to do what we want you to. Um, so, I mean, it really isn't, we're not experiencing just private companies making that choice. If private companies are making the choice, it would be a small handful of them, and we could respond accordingly.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's the argument that I always had with uh, a, a lot of people at the whole start of all of this, at, at, the, at the start of uh, two weeks, two weeks to flatten the curve. And oh, yeah. here we are, <laughs> you know, the, the first 18 months of two weeks is the longest, but. Always the hardest. The hardest part is always
1: <laughs> the first couple of years or so. Yeah, it, it's, this is, and we've been saying this from the beginning, right, Jacob? Uh, no. It's just two weeks. It's just until we can get, you know, uh, uh, increased capacity in the hospitals. It's just this. It's just that. We knew it wasn't just this. Mm -hmm. We know it's not just what they're saying now. And it can get frustrating when you see most of the public still going, well, it's just for this. It's Mm -hmm. just for COVID. It's just for companies over 100 people. It's just getting vaccinated or having to get tested every week out of pocket, which, by the way, getting tested is, uh, I think, about the 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 going price for testing right now is 150 bucks. So it's just telling an employee that they got to pay 150 bucks out of pocket every week if they don't want to have to get this mandated vaccine. It's always just this and just that, and Mm -hmm. we just keep going along. I mean, you don't have to be a fortune teller to see where this is headed. We see other countries like uh, like New Zealand and Australia, they're implementing COVID camps where people who have COVID, even if they don't have any symptoms, are being forced into quarantine camps. Mm -hmm. And there are people over there going, well, it's just for COVID to have these camps propping up everywhere like it never ends it yeah. is always the next excuse for the next power grab for the next money grab for the next I- infringement and oppression of your life your right your property your bodily autonomy and that that's it's never going to end until we put our foot in the sand and say no we're not going to do this and we're not going to do any of this other stuff either
0: yeah when as soon as i saw the camps in australia i i was blown away i was like yeah. Governments themselves do not have a good track record putting people in camps. Yeah, just look anywhere in history, and it, it, it yep. it's just shocking. Uh, I mean, earlier I was on Twitter today, um, posting on a, a local news um, site over over here in Utah. It was Fox Thirteen uh, about how this is a you know totalitarian move, and somebody accused me and the the libertarian movement of pushing a dictatorship and i i I had to walk away i was so flabbergasted i was like we we're we're the dictators we're the ones trying to place a dictatorship in you don't even hear yourself do you
1: the old the old dictatorship of not tolerating camps I, I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, the thing is, a, a lot of people don't know how to critically read or critically think. They just go along with what they're they're told by major media on both the left and the right. I mean, there are yeah. plenty of people that you know their hatred of immigrants or their hatred of Muslims or their you know utter you know hatred of the idea of of free unrestricted trade is because of what they consume on on that side of the, of the media sphere. But the reality is, it's people who are being guided by authoritarians into hating and fearing others, and then demanding that the government control those people, not understanding that that control is also on them as well. And it won't just be used for whatever excuse it was for. It's never just about the thing. In fact, sometimes it's not even about the thing that they're saying it's for. The Patriot Act had nothing to do with Al-Qaeda. No. These mandates... By the way, interestingly enough, Jacob, this requirement that Biden has implemented... It's an OSHA requirement, which means it's going to take 120 days to implement. And then after that, there's going to be all sorts of lawsuits and injunctions and everything else. It could be six months before this could be implemented, if even then. If there's an injunction from a a federal court to implement it, it could be held up indefinitely. And we're already seeing an ebbing to the, the surge in cases that was expected to happen during the summer. This isn't going to have anything to do with COVID by the time it's implemented. It never is about the thing that they say it is. It's about using the current crisis, whatever it is, whether it's something that the government just happened to stumble upon, whether it's something government created or made worse. And we're seeing more and more evidence that there's a very strong possibility. uh, Some would say a likelihood, but I'll I'll at least say just a very strong possibility. I don't want to say for certain without confirmation, but that the U.S. government helped to create this virus through gain-of-function research. And then it leaked because of shoddy management from the Chinese government. Wonder of wonders there. <laughs> and that then the Chi- And if that's the case, then that means that back when the Chinese government was covering up COVID, because we know that was happening. We know yeah. when the doctors were coming out and saying, there's this new thing, it's like SARS, it's spreading a lot easy- more easily. We need to do something. And the government responded by throwing them in jail for propaganda. Not only was the Chinese government behind that, if this is true, that means that the US government knew that and sat on it. For however many weeks before that even came out, they sat on it. They didn't tell everyone. And now here they are. If that and whether that let's say that's not the case. Let's say this is a naturally occurring zoonotic illness that, you know, through a wet market or some other way, you know, spread to humans uh, in, in a natural way and, you know, it's now spread worldwide, at the very least the government through banning testing for COVID, through uh, forcing COVID patients into nursing homes and, and disability homes, which caused it to be spread to the very people who were the most likely to die from it. All of those things at the very least worsened this already existing, this crisis that was already going to exist, okay? And then they use... The crisis that they've worsened through their actions and inactions to push for more control of your lives, lockdowns, mandates, uh, uh, making everyone stay home, giving you 1200 bucks, 600 bucks, 1,400 bucks while they hand off trillions of dollars to multi-billion dollar multinational corporations and big government agencies and stick you with the bill for the entire thing with interest. Not just you, but generations that haven't even been born yet, sticking them with this. It's always about using the crisis whether one they created, one that they worsened, or one that they just stumbled upon as a used as an excuse to make your life harder.
0: And then you grandstanding on your suffering to push for even more control. Well and one thing that uh me and my best friend always talk about is how it was so easy for them to, to be able to um, tell people who was essential and who wasn't. Yeah. Like just that psychological aspect of it alone is, is crazy to me. Like so many people got told to stay home because they weren't essential to society. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like I I'm surprised there wasn't the outrage with that
1: well, you literally had the government saying, "Now, what you do isn't important. You stay home. Yeah. I need that. Every job, every person, every human being, you know, we like to say, you know, no human is illegal. Well, no human is unessential either. Every person has to be able to provide for themselves and their loved ones, their family, their community, their their household, whatever. They need to be able to do that. And not just money. But the fulfillment that comes from, and many people aren't just working a job to make money, they're also working a job because it's fulfilling their passion. You know, if I had been told, you know, you're not allowed to go and spread the message of liberty because that's non-essential, this is essential to my being. This is a fulfillment of my, of my purpose and, and, and yours as well with what you're doing. The idea of telling someone you're not allowed to be who you are and do what you need to do, not just to, to make ends meet, but to fulfill who you are and to fulfill your, 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 your desire to, to help the world around you, it's nonsense. And it went further than that. They started saying what actions you took were or weren't essential. Uh, you want to go to the store to pick up some liquor? Yeah, sure that's essential. You mm-hmm. want to go to AA to be able to get treatment for your addiction? No, that's not essential. Uh you know, you want to uh y- you know, you you want to go and celebrate that a, a politician that you like uh got elected to office? Sure, Now nah, we'll we'll allow that for a day or two. You want to go to church? Nah, yeah, you definitely can't do that. You want to visit your families? No, you, you definitely can't do that. You want to get together for the holidays? Nah, that's not gonna be allowed. You wanna go outside to the beach? Nah, that can't be allowed. Remember that? Do you remember when they were literally arresting paddle boarders for being on the beach hundreds of yards away from another human being? Oh, Just yeah. utter nonsense. And they knew it. There was never any science that said that going outside in any condition was likely to spread COVID, much less far away from everyone else, out in the sun, you know, trapped between sunlight and saline water. Give me a
0: break. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, you, you just really need to sit and think for just 10 seconds for it to all unravel. Because none of this makes sense. None of it. And but some people will just eat it up and just push it so hard for the greater good, which is one of the scariest sentences, in my opinion. You know, this this push of democracy and the greater good. It's all very uh, Stalinist and Leninist Marxist to me.
1: Well, when they say the greater good, that's a similar flavor to people saying it's for our safety. It's for our protection it's for our national pride it's for america it's for you know they have all these different things really what they're saying is i'm scared and i've been told by people that i inexplicably trust <laughs> despite being lied to by them lied to by them over and over and over again that this is what is needed to protect me from the thing that they've told me I need to be scared of, whether we're talking terrorism, whether we're talking immigrants, whether we're talking you know viruses, whether we're talking uh, the cost of living, whether we're talking about healthcare, education, any of these things, uh, these all boil down to government using corporate media, the same corporate media, the same media that's owned by those corporations that get Trillions of dollars in bailouts, totally coincidentally, by the way, using that corporate media to tell you constantly, here's what you should be scared of today. Here is what you should be afraid of going outside to face today, unless government protects you from it. And here's how government is going to protect you from it. And it's a fairy tale because we know it's not working. Look at the data. The lockdowns didn't work. The CDC's own study came back and said, do you know what helps slow the spread of COVID in schools? Better ventilation. Better ventilation. Open up the windows. Introduce uh, ventilation systems that allow more fresh air in. That works better. Forcing the kids to mask up? Not so much. Forcing the teachers to mask up actually had a moderate level of, of reduction. Okay, fine. So make the employee mask up there because they're adults. They know how it, what the purpose of the mask is and they know how to put it on right because a mask doesn't work if you've got it hanging down. You get an Eight-year-old kid wearing a mask I talked to so many parents across the country who said, my kid leaves and comes home with a face full of snot and someone else's mask on. They traded <laughs> it with someone else. This is yep. a proper use of mask. but all So anyway, the da- I, I, I always go on a rant when I talk about yeah. that because the idea that children wearing masks does a damn thing to slow anything have not spent a lot of time around children. Anyway, all of these things make no sense and we see that they don't work. It only makes sense... When you look through the filter of what the actual goal is here. It doesn't make sense if you look at it from a standpoint of public health or public safety because it doesn't work. It doesn't make sense if you look through it through a standpoint of, you know, saving lives because that doesn't work. It makes sense when you look through it through this. What does government need to get more power and control over your life? to make your life harder so that you become more scared and more angry to that they can then leverage and grandstand on to push for more control over your life, to enrich themselves and the cronies who put them in office. Suddenly, all of this makes perfect sense in the most cynical of ways. And that's what we're facing. We are facing a government that either implements or worsens or takes advantage of crises in order to get more control of your life knowing that everything they do will at best have little to no effect on improving it and at worst make things worse by sometimes
0: by design well and it's interesting too because all of this isn't just happening here it's of course across the world so there's there's obviously some some of these people are working together to be able to roll this out across you know every nation that will possibly even listen. Like this this oh, yeah, is a, yeah. a worldwide takeover. Yeah, it it is. And and the thing
1: is I I think it's important, you know, we talk about the 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 globalist government cabal. It's really not a cabal per se. Or I guess it's a cabal in the sense that there are a bunch of people that are in the same strata of power and influence who have figured out how to how to screw us all over. But, you know, I, I tend not to believe there's people, you know, the, the reptilian Satanist overlords <laughs> sitting in a corner going, what, what evil can we visit upon the people of the world today? It's really more so just powerful people who have figured out they can just run a con game on us over yeah. and over and over and over again and enrich themselves. Uh, you know, the one thing I was kind of hopeful And this was during a time when I was more of a conservative, libertarian-leaning Tea Party type. When I was watching the uh, Occupy Wall Street protests, which I I wasn't really aligned with, but I was glad that they were recognizing there was a problem, and the Tea Party protests, which I was very much aligned with. And I realized, maybe after a year or so of, of those two competing events, I realized a few months in, a year in, whatever, they're fighting the same thing. You've got the Tea Party, who is complaining that big government is working with big corporations to rule over all of us. And then you've got the Occupy Wall Street movement, who's complaining that big corporations are working with big government to rule over us. Yeah, no, those are both things to, to be competing, to, to be uh, fighting against. And the thing is, I wish that those two movements had realized that and, and linked up as much as they could. Instead, what happened was they both got co-opted by, you know, the the so-called left and right sides of the republicrat uh, rope-a-dope uh, theater of opposition that's been created. And now they're constantly, they're busy fighting each other in the streets over things like trans bathrooms and, and other nonsense. And, and instead of recognizing that we are being completely run roughshod over by those same corporate overlords, those same... Government fascist corporatist overlords uh not just here, but like you said around the world, and again, you don't have to go far to see where we're headed. you don't no. on the authoritarian on the police state end, look at Cuba we're forty years away from that, fifty years away from that, maybe 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 less we're 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 not far from that if you want to look at the the you know the the big tech led control of things, look at Australia where they're implementing a smartphone app that you have to respect will randomly contact you throughout the day and if you don't respond within 15 minutes the police will be sent to your house now just keep in mind what that means cuz just on its face that's outrageous outrageous but let's look at what that actually means have you ever been away from your phone for 15 minutes has your phone ever died have you ever put it on side my phone's on silent right now it's 50/50 whether I'll remember to turn it back on when this is over okay <laughs> Have you ever taken a nap? Have you ever gone to bed for more than 15 minutes? Have you ever taken a shower or used a bathroom? Think of all the times that you've been unable to go to your phone within 15 minutes. And now imagine that the police are headed to see you. What Um, does that do? It distracts them from real crimes and it gives them reasons to over-police and to infringe on your rights. And that's exactly what what, what it's intended to do. And if anyone thinks that's not headed here... We didn't think the lockdowns were headed here. We didn't think these vaccine Well, we did, but yeah. most people didn't think those were headed here. They are. It's eventually headed here
0: until we refuse to comply. Exactly. I mean, what 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 does that mean for people at work? Uh, mo- most jobs won't let you be on your phone. So are you supposed to stand at the cash register and be able to take a picture of yourself? Hold on. The government's calling. I got to do this. Uh... I mean, these same companies that are supposedly going to mandate these vaccines or any of these measures in the first place, like, I just don't see it playing out well.
1: Oh, absolutely. In fact, so in this case, Jacob, no one's going to work. They're not allowed to go outside. I I forgot to mention that part. So with this uh, app, the whole purpose of it is to make sure you haven't left your house. Yeah. Ever. Unless you get permission. You have to get special permission to be able to... Uh, be able to go to the store. But you know what, you're right, actually, there there are some people who are deemed essential over there, uh, which means it's never going to stop spreading because people are still going outside if for no other reason than to get food that they need. You know, the only way you could actually use lockdowns to stop the spread of a highly virulent respiratory illness like COVID is literally everyone staying in their houses for like a month without even going venturing outside. And that would kill of the population. It would destroy our infrastructure. There'd be no power. There'd be no food. There'd be no running water. Society would crumble, but it would kill COVID. Unless, of course, 10 people disobeyed it and then that wouldn't even kill COVID. But no, you're right. I mean, it's it, it's nonsense. It's unworkable. It's designed to be unworkable. Listen, the NSA taking every single electronic communication you have and we go, oh, they're keeping track of it. how they can't keep track of all that. They're just collecting a bunch of data. 99.99999% of which they'll never be able to use. Why are they doing it? Number one, because they can. Number two, because you're paying for it. So even if it's not useful, what do they care? It's a jobs program, if nothing else. But number three, if they ever want to mess you up, they've got every single thing you've ever done. Is that going to stop them? For, is that going to allow them to be able to prevent some emerging threat? No, because they're busy just receiving this endless wall of da- data that they couldn't possibly uh, be able to parse through in a timely manner, much less be able to stop some hot event going on. But can they use it to bribe you 20 years from now or use it to blackmail you ruin your life uh can they deep fake information that they get on there to try to make it sound like you said or did something you never said or did yeah that's what they can do with it and that's what all this stuff is about it's about control
0: yeah it it really is uh i've i've actually been out to that NSA facility it's uh here in Utah and oh yeah that's right yeah yeah that that building is massive it, it, it's the biggest thing in that city. Uh, it's just right outside of Lehigh. And they have water-cooled computers because that's what they yep, need for yep. all of this processing information. Uh, what's really interesting, uh, that the farmers down there actually loathe that place because, you know, each farmer gets charged for their water usage and the NSA magically gets charged about $2 less than what a farmer would. So it's, yep, yep. it really is just all about control. I mean, they get special treatment, and if they don't get the special treatment, then it's an or else, and then they have so much up their sleeves.
1: They literally diverted a river to cool their processors because they're using that much computer power, and then these are the same people who will turn around and browbeat you for your carbon footprint. They'll beat you up. For you know, I don't know. uh, Leaving your AC on too cold. I've seen stuff where people have said, you know, if you have your AC above seventy-five or below seventy-five during the summer, you're contributing to climate change. (laughs) If you're driving a car with more than X amount of uh, or or less than X amount miles per gallon, uh, then you're contributing, you know, past your your allowable footprint for carbon for climate change. And I think the federal government (laughs) is the (laughs) large the U.S. federal government. The military industrial complex, the, the surveillance complex, the police to prison industrial complex, the, the pharmaceutical industrial complex, all the, all the complexes, the corporatist fascist complex that they've created around the U.S. government and its cor- corporate cronies make up the single largest polluter in history ever and it's growing every year. And then once you include all the regulations they've implemented on US industry which have either forced or or as i put it given them the excuse to go and move over to countries where there are no any a kind of environmental restrictions in place, that now makes it the biggest contributor compared to everything else combined. Like if you compare the the pollution that's happening with, with U.S. and Western-based uh, manufacturers in China and India and all the, the river pollution they're contributing to and the climate change they're contributing, not to mention then the, the shipment of those goods and services back over here. Like, give me a break. This is They are the worst polluters. And then they'll turn around and tell you, oh, you know, you forgot to recycle this bottle. It's You're the
0: problem. You can't have plastic straws. You can't have plastic straw. Yes.
1: But make sure and wear this mask
0: that you're going to throw on the ground.
1: (laughs) Yes. So thank you for bringing that up. So I have, you know, been yelling for years and I forget which comedian, I I I don't, uh, I forget what, which comedian first said it, probably a few that have said it, you know, you've got this bottle of water and you come up to the TSA and they go, sorry, sir, you can't bring that on board. That might be a bomb. Here, put it in this thing right next to me with all the other bombs. Yeah, And, uh, you know, right here in the middle of the TSA checkpoint in between all the TSA agents and all the people sitting tightly packed together waiting to get on the plane. Yeah, let's put it in the most vulnerable area ever because this is definitely a bomb that we're concerned about. What about the masks? This mask is protecting you from COVID, which means it's absorbing all of this COVID. You would get COVID if it wasn't for their mask. All these masks are just swimming in COVID. Just throw it away over there. Just put it there. Just yep. leave it on the counter there. That'll be fine. Like th- this, it makes no sense. There is no justifying it. And you don't have to be a scientist. This is common sense stuff. This is basic common sense that this stuff doesn't work. It's not going to work. It never did work. And it was never about working. It is always about controlling you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That That's actually one of the first things that, you know, really made me start thinking there, there was no, uh, medical waste bins for all these masks there were no uh there there were no government posters coming out telling you how to wear a mask just like back you know during the red scare with the you know ducking under the desk like there was actual Mm -hmm. instructions from government agencies to be able to say this is what we need to do if a bomb ever drops but none of that none of it nothing nowhere it was because it had nothing it was not about proper education
1: It was about compliance. You have to wear this mask. How? Wear it. It didn't say, you're not being told. The most guidance I've ever seen is when I've been on an airplane, and this was actually happening before the federal mandate, where they'd say, you know, we're requiring you to wear a mask and you need to wear it over your nose. And I actually remember hearing a pilot say, the reason that we tell you, I know it seems ridiculous, but the reason we're saying you have to wear it over your nose is because you actually breathe way more out of your nose and you're more likely to expel germs out of your nose than in or out of your mouth. And I'm like, finally, at least someone explained it, right? Because (laughs) people keep hearing, put it over your nose. Why? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Because you said to. Or they don't even hear put it over your nose because there's certainly a lot of people out there. We're talking about the kids unable to wear the damn thing, right? I go into a store and, you know, I I, pre- I don't wear really wear a mask anymore. The, the only place I wear a mask at this point is on the airplane because they will literally kick you off the airplane and everyone on the plane will hate you. You didn't really want anything other yeah. than a, a lifetime ban from any of the major airlines to be able to go on there. Not to mention now you can get in trouble with the federal government. It's just there's good trouble and stupid trouble. That's stupid trouble yeah. unless there are millions of people willing to you know, disobey. At this point it's 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 kind of a foolish thing. But in general I don't I don't wear masks. Even when they say there's a mandate, I go in and I'm you know, if you really want to remove me, tell me I need to go and I'll go. But I'm not going to wear this nonsense. I'm not even going around anyone. I, I try to stay at least six feet away from any from everyone anyway when I'm grocery shopping, even before all of this. <laughs> but I'll see other people. I'm sitting there watching these folks and, you know, they got their masks down to here. And they're grabbing it like this and putting it back up or they're putting putting their hands inside of it after touching everything and shaking people's hands. And then they're putting it up like this. And I'm like, you are more likely to get sick from having that thing on your face and touching it constantly. Way more than you would touch. If you remember the CDC, I think it was actually Fauci, was one of the first people that was saying, well, actually, you know, a, a mask mandate. You know, wearing a mask technically could have you touching your face way more often. And it might actually be counterintuitive until they decided that it was a good way to tell everyone they had to do stuff. Um, it, you know, it became part of the Simon Says Community uh, Security Theater. And uh, and that's that's where we are now. But yeah, it's 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 not working like if if it, if these things had worked then we wouldn't have COVID right now, or it would be a trace of what it was. And that includes the vaccines. I think the vaccine is a good idea for uh, especially people that are vulnerable, uh, especially people that have comorbidities, people that are older. Uh, it really, if you look at who's getting sick and dying from this, it's mostly people who are either older, morbidly obese, immunocompromised, or some combination of those things. Okay, those those are the people who are likely to die. If you don't have those things, even if you're still elderly, your risk goes down precipitously. If you are otherwise healthy and don't and aren't immunocompromised, you're not on chemo, you're not taking an immuno uh, um, uh, immunosuppressant, you're not uh, you don't have a disease that makes your immune system weaker or affects your immune system in that in, by making it weaker. Um, otherwise, you're you're likely to not possibly not even know that you ever even got it. Um, and it's just, it just drives home just how foolish this whole thing is.
0: Well, and really it's the choice, right? Like <clears throat> if somebody wants to take it, if somebody is educated, does their research, talks to their doctor that they trust, they want to get yep. it or don't want to get it. That should be their choice. Yep, absolutely. It's, I,
1: I actually, so I'm not, like I said, I'm not against the, uh, the, the, the vaccine itself. Um, We know that, especially with these new variants, we have much higher levels of um, viral replication when people get it. Um, But interestingly enough, the same or possibly even lower fatality rates, which means this virus is already... Uh, beginning to mutate into being more vi- what most coronaviruses are, which are very easy to spread, but very unlikely to kill you. Mo- a good number of the cold viruses are actually coronaviruses that have mutated over time into being airborne, where you're going to get it regardless whether you like it or not. And, you know, very unlikely to, I mean, no one dies of the cold, right? Like you just, they, a virus only wants you to get sick enough to get the sniffles, to get the coughs, to spread it. But still be out and about and feel fine and, and, and maybe feel a little under the weather, but not so much that you die or even just end up staying home or in the hospital. It wants you out and about going, eh, I feel a little under the weather, but I still need to go do stuff. That's what a virus ultimately wants to do. That's ultimate success for a virus. But regardless of that, you know the, the, the vaccine itself, it's increasingly less likely to keep you from getting it or spreading it. But it looks like it's very, it, it is for the vast majority of people, it's likely to keep them from getting very sick or dying from it. And that's good, especially if you're one of the people who was likely to get sick or die from it. But let's be very clear, that makes it a personal health choice. If this is something that there is little to no reason to think that it actually stuck, because the whole argument behind mandating it is, well, it's not just about you, you could spread it to other people. But if that's true, whether you're vaccinated or not, and it just goes back to, well, you're likely not to get, you're more likely not to get sick. Okay, well, then that makes it my choice again. If I if I want to be sick or not, that makes it my choice. Uh, and if we're going to say, well, no, anything that makes you likely less likely to be sick, uh, you have to do, then great. We need to mandate people not being obese anymore yeah. because obesity has roughly as high a likelihood of of keeping not being obese has roughly as high a likelihood of keeping you sick or out of the hospital not just from covid but in general than this vaccine does so why aren't we talking about that and we know the long-term side effects of not being obese compared to the vaccine the long-term side effects of not being obese are lower blood pressure lower cholesterol lower heart rate lower likelihood of getting other comorbidities longer life expectancy better subjective quality of life we know all the things that happen from that so why aren't we pushing for that why aren't we pushing for uh Vitamin D levels, right? Because yeah. vitamin D, we know that people who have lower than normal vitamin D or lower than ideal vitamin D levels are exponentially more likely to end up in the hospital with COVID and other things as well. So, why aren't we pushing for that? Why are we only pushing for something which just so happens to be pushed by big pharmaceutical companies who make up some of the largest lobbies in Washington, D.C.?
0: Yeah. Uh, if they actually cared, why wouldn't they be pushing gym memberships? You know? And Something interesting I I found the other day was that Pfizer, as a company, has the record for actually paying the largest criminal fine in U.S. history. Somewhere close to like $2 billion. Yeah, this yep. is not a company that I necessarily trust. So in, yep. I, I'm pro-vax. I, yep. I, I support yep. pro-vaccines. It's just this one. The, just this one shot for this one thing. I don't trust the people pushing it, and that's what makes me nervous. So, yeah, but-
1: I, I'm I'm pro vaccine in general. I'm I'm not even sure I'd say I'm against this vaccine, although I'm a little wary of it. I can tell you why I personally chose not to get it. Number one, I've gone around the country multiple times over the last two years during the thick of this pandemic. Uh, I I was most recently in Florida last uh, last uh, week. The week before, I was God. where was I last? The week before. Uh, Ohio and Alabama, like every week, I'm in a different place. And last year I was in a different place every single day during some of the the worst periods of COVID. And I've been able to stay COVID negative the whole time. I get routinely tested uh, at least once or twice a month uh, in order to make sure that I, because I am likely to get it and not feel anything and go around and possibly be spreading it. I don't want to be, you know, typhoid Mary with with COVID. (laughs) So I routinely get tested to make sure I don't have it. And I have always tested negative. Now, that could be because I, I am fastidious about washing my hands and not really touching my face and not eating or drinking after others and being careful of, you know, my my surroundings in terms of, you know, I, I don't like really being close to people in general. I, I like yeah. to keep at least a three foot distance because I'm normal and don't want to be writing people's <laughs> faces like that yeah. uh you personal know, space i do shake hands and things like that it could be because of that it could be because i, I have ms and my immune system has finally found something it's good at it usually is very <laughs> overactive and tries to attack my brain it is maybe it's finally found that thing it's been looking for yeah. to fight against it is covid <laughs> i whatever it is i I've remained negative this whole time and i do have an autoimmune disease my immune system acts weird from things like dairy and gluten and eggs you know, maybe I don't want to take a vaccine based on an entirely new technology that's never been used on humans before the, the MRNA technology. But regardless, after talking with my medical professionals, I've made a, conf- a, a, educated choice to not take the vaccine at least for now. Yeah. And I believe that should be respected. And if someone chooses not to be around me because of that, that's fine. That's their choice. Mm-hmm. But this idea of saying that you know, well, you're not allowed to work for any of these companies, or you're not allowed to go to the re- to a restaurant, even an outdoor restaurant. You're not allowed to go to a gym. You're not allowed to go to all these events, even outdoor events. You're not allowed to do all these things. You're not allowed to travel to these countries. That's none of their
0: business. Mm-hmm. Overstepping their bounds. So, yeah. I want to switch gears a little bit here, and uh, let's talk about the the uh, LNC. Were you able to uh, catch any of the the fun that happened with the, uh, recent meetings?
1: So I, I know very little, I didn't catch any of the actual meetings. I've only heard kind of a post-talk of, of what happened. My understanding is that the, uh, the most recent, uh, fun that's happened in the LNC is that the LNC voted to, uh, remove Karen Ann Harlos as the, uh, as the secretary. Um, I don't know all the details as to why I know, some of the basic yeah. stuff, honestly, some of what I know is a bit outdated from back when they were first talking about this in like May and June. I don't really know if there were any new developments. Um, I understand that there were some people that, uh, whether by design or just incidentally, weren't a- weren't able to be there uh, to uh, to be able to vote uh, for or against it, some of the LNC members. Uh, my understanding is that there were some resignations. That's kind of the extent of what I know, um, and uh, I, I like I said, I, I don't... I mean, I'm happy to talk about it to whatever yeah, yeah, extent yeah. I can, but it's going to be a it's going to be a lot of me saying I don't know enough <laughs> yeah. details to be able to weigh into heavily one way or another. Other than I know she was, they voted to remove her.
0: Yeah. Um. Honestly, I kind of wish I was like you. Wish I didn't know as much as I did. Um, <laughs> you know, because uh, yeah, lots of people say this, and I totally understand why. A lot of people try to stay out of LNC drama, which. Yeah, why? Why would you get involved with it? It it doesn't further the the liberty movement. It doesn't help the Libertarian Party. Um. So I mean, there's been a. Well, let, let, Go ahead. Let Let me tell you this. So
1: the last time I weighed in on any kind of LP uh, intrigue yeah. was back in June when all the nonsense happened with the New Hampshire yeah. uh, mm-hmm. affiliate, where um. Jarvis I forget her first Gilletta Jarvis yeah. where uh, apparently she was uh convinced to basically create a new party declare that the the real party and then uh Joe Bishop Henchman uh confirmed that as the legitimate party uh in an attempt to essentially disenfranchise the uh, whether that was the intention or not, to disenfranchise all of the members of the actual rightful New Hampshire affiliate with no due process yeah. whatsoever. And I weighed in and said, no, you can't do that. Uh, you need to give them their credentials back. You need to give them their access to the, the CMS and the website and, the, and social media back. Um, and then there needs to be an investigation of all allegations from both sides. There needs to be due process of this, mm-hmm. not just you can't just yank the, the, the keys from an entire party affiliate as a result of that. And on Twitter, there was maybe 50% of my followers who knew what I was talking about. On Facebook, there was maybe 2% of my followers who knew what I was talking about. And similar numbers on Instagram. And the vast majority of people were saying, what's this about? This sounds terrible. This sounds like what Republicans and Democrats do. Gosh, Mm -hmm. this is terrible. I I, I thought we were trying to fight for freedom. And I realized something (laughs) in that moment, Jacob. I'm trying to liberate people yeah. and set people free and bring people to a movement that at least involves the Libertarian Party to the extent that we need to run candidates, we need to have ballot access, we need to be able to push for those things. But my activism is not directly married or tied to any political party. Yeah. And I, in that moment when I saw so many people that were New and excited that I was basically helping bring to the movement through my social media activism and my, you know, in-person events and things like that to have them come and see that dumpster fire going on. I really, in that moment, I thought this ain't it guys. Like this needs to get worked out, but I don't really want to be involved in it because this isn't setting people free. This isn't liberating people. This isn't getting people excited and galvanized about fighting for a movement to set people free. And if you guys can't work it out, we'll have to build something else. But yeah. I'm not going to sit here and, 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 you know, play hand-holding games with uh, with adults. You know, I'm not going to call them <laughs> children because they're adults. With yeah. adults uh, who are allowing what are often very petty differences
0: to, to keep them separated on this. Well, and so the, the reason I ask, um, I, I got to say the the reason i started this podcast was specifically for that was to bring more people to the idea of liberty yeah um explain to them why they should care because i get a lot of that you know i why should i even care about this it doesn't affect me i just want to watch yeah. my football and stuff but so the reason i ask about this is because i've been running with a uh, interesting concept in my head and that's should we dissolve the lnc and revert all of those resources back to the state, where I personally I feel like those resources would be better utilized on a state level or a county level, fighting for the idea of liberty versus paying for all of this stuff that doesn't really help us, yeah,
1: so my understanding is that at the very least uh for um federal election compliance I mean, once again the government basically for for ballot access reasons federal election compliant uh, compliance reasons and things like that my understanding is that we do actually need a national party even if it's you know a po box and a handful of people pushing papers for for you know basically for compliance purposes for legal compliance yeah. purposes but that may be all we need you know we keep talking yeah. about oh we need to get more better messaging from the lnc do we or do we need to just make our own messaging and not rely on them? Um, I've said many times, uh, even during the campaign last year, I was traveling around the country and I was seeing the national party and the national campaign spending hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars on different things. And then when those things would often get messed up or you know have to be modified, I'd watch local people, local candidates, local affiliate members, local activists spend Essentially comparable pennies and dollars out of their pocket to fix it or change it often more effectively, more responsibly, and and, and ultimately more successfully. And I realized something, Jacob. That's what we believe. We believe that things are best handled at, in as decentralized, as voluntary, and as grassroots a way as possible. The reason we don't support big, ever-encroaching, centrally planned government is because of the moral and ethical concerns that you know it's not right to force people into doing things and to take people's things and stuff like that. But we also recognize it doesn't work. It yeah. certainly doesn't work as well as people voluntarily working together in a grassroots way that grows organically. And yet, through our party... We keep pushing for centralized trickle-down liberty, despite 50 years of evidence that that doesn't really work. So why are we doing that? Why aren't we, at the very least, if we do have to have that national apparatus for compliance reasons, okay, fine, but so be it. But why not have the vast majority of the power, the money, the resources being put at the local and state affiliate level? Focusing on where we're actually winning elections, which is at the local and sometimes at the state level, state legislative races and things yeah. like that, and build up a viable movement of not just getting candidates elected, but also pushing for legislative changes now through lobbying groups, through direct pressure and activism, You know, going to our city council meetings, our county council meetings, our state legislative meetings, and actually pushing for changes. It's working. There are two people in Tennessee. They have a group, a lobbying group. It's called a lobbying group because they had to register for for legal reasons in the state of Tennessee. But it's basically two guys who went to Capitol Hill there in I forget the I think is it Nashville whatever the capital of Tennessee is and they're going to be mad at me because I talk about <laughs> yeah. them all, all the time and, and and they go to to their state legislatures and they just talk to them. And they present them with facts and information, and say, "Hey, we should do this. We should do that. What do you think?" And they have, with that, with the budget of the money they've pulled out of their own pockets, because they're not really getting any. I think they have a handful of members uh, and people helping them, but they're not. They don't. They're not sitting on any real budgets. No. They've been able to implement uh, a, a an effective ban, or at least a great reformation, uh, or banning or reduction of the vast majority of civil asset forfeiture cases. They've eliminated no knock raids. They've eliminated chokeholds. They've introduced a um, a legal uh, requirement for police, what's called a duty to intervene, a legal requirement that when police officers and and government agents see. Other police officers, other government agents, politicians, judges, whatever, when they see them breaking the law and violating people's rights, if they don't intervene, they become an accessory to that crime. This is two libertarians working... At the state legislature, just talking with folks. Yeah. Imagine what we can do if we stop waiting for our libertarian hero to come down yeah. from you know from his or her uh, you know uh, spot on a cloud and bring us trickle down liberty from the White House. What if we focus on where we're actually winning, grow from there, and then uh, in doing so address the main reasons why people don't vote for us? You can't win. Yes, we do. Look at us winning across yeah. the country, thousands of races, and. Thousands of legislative goals that we're, we're that we're accomplishing your ideas sound good, but what if they're just a pipe dream? Here they are, actually actually being implemented. Look how great they work. You know, I only hear from you for a few weeks every four years when you're running for president. No. You hear from us constantly. You're sick of hearing from us. You're hearing about us constantly making major changes, setting yeah. people free and making your lives better as a direct result of our action, our activism and our candidacy. Uh, you know, I only see you guys infighting against each other. No, you see us working together and working with others, building coalitions, setting people free every single day. When we do that, not only do we actually win more things right now, set people's lives free, make people's lives better, lower the cost of things, remove the barriers to entry for things, reduce poverty, reduce costs, reduce tyranny. Not only do we do that, not only do we build the bench and the the baseline for us to be able to win more races in the future, but we eliminate why people don't vote for us for the White House. We make them – we change the narrative from they can't win, they never win. It's no we're used to looking at them to look at this movement they're building. They're snowballing right through. Look at everything they're able to accomplish. Imagine if we could put them in the White House. When we change that narrative by putting the focus down where it belongs at the local and regional and statewide level, there's no limit to what we can do.
0: Yeah. Well, and yeah, – God, that's such a great point. That's so incredible what they have going on in Tennessee and the, the fact that it's mm-hmm. just too – two libertarians working that's two people that's that's incredible and that that's kind of what i'm talking about is taking these resources and mind you i i am a member of the national party um but i don't i don't see what most libertarians get from being a part of the national party i understand the uh, ballot access you know but yeah it's yeah. why have more than what we necessarily need just or legalities, uh for technicalities. Um yeah, I I think that's that's the best way to go about
1: it because it doesn't take much to have a Libertarian Party social media. One or two people and then that way there's a representation for the Libertarian Party. I think that's important. You can't not have a Libertarian Facebook page, Libertarian Party Facebook page, Twitter, YouTube, whatever. That's a small handful of people with a, a relatively modest budget and you know you have a list of the of the local and state affiliates you have some kind of you know shared cms that's being you know uh, data that's being uh, collected and and qualified and, and 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 improved upon and qual and and um and um what's the word i'm looking for uh, I, I think it's qualified where they basically take the information, make sure that it's real and find ways to be able to actually use it. Voter data, uh, donor data, volunteer data, and share it across the board as it yeah. can shared with local and, and, and state and, and national candidates and, and, and affiliates. Those are, that's important. That's we don't need all of the rest of this apparatus to be yeah. able to do that. And I think when you focus where it needs to be at the local level. I think there's, there's so much more that we can do. Um, and this is, by the way, I, I know quite a few of the people on the LNC and in the XCOM and people that work for the LP. They're doing incredible work. Yeah. I, I don't want to take anything away from them on that. I think, again, it has less to do with the people that are in there and more to do with the actual structure itself. The actual structure itself is what it is, a centralized national Centrally planned authority, and that is going to be even with some of the best people in there, and I do believe that a, a good number of the people in there are some of the best people that could be in there. It's limited by the reality of what that what that kind of system produces and It's what we say about yeah. government government is best when it is as voluntary as local and decentralized, and as grassroots as possible, uh preferably being fully free market. That is the best governance, and that's true with our party as well,
0: yeah well. Sure going to make a uh, Reno interesting, you know, that's definitely going to be a party. That's for sure. So, yes, yes. I cannot wait to see that's going to be.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's you know what? I, no. I hope that a lot of these things will be worked out before then. I fear that they will not. Yeah. And I fear that we're in for even worse, which is another re- reason why I am trying to say, hey, listen. You guys can fight this out. You're yeah. going to anyway. You don't need my permission to do that. Whoever wants to work with me on things that we are working on right now across the country, let's work together. Yeah. And if you're not able to work with me on this because I'm also working with this person, fine. Work with me on this where I'm not working with this person. Or, hey, better yet, maybe you guys can talk and figure out that you agree with each other on probably 85, 90, 95% of stuff. Maybe get over yourselves and, and work together. But if you can't, if you can't, Then come work with me over here on this thing. Um, I I do stuff with Mises people. I do stuff with radical people. I do stuff with uh, Vermin. I was with Vermin Supreme. uh, What either last weekend or the weekend before when I was in Alabama. I do stuff with. Uh, well the Prague Caucus doesn't exist anymore but the people that no. were in the Prague Caucus I do work with unaffiliated I do work with republicans and democrats I do work with people who have no idea what their politics even are I've done some work with hardcore socialists if there's something that we can work on on a specific thing that we agree on then you are my ally at least in that thing and if you're a libertarian I don't give a shit I'm sorry if you're not allowed to come. No, I don't no, care no. about your faction I don't no. care about your faction we already need to be able to work together as much as possible Possible.
0: There are far <laughs> few of far too few of us to try to factionalize. Well, you know, I'm I'm really hoping that uh, this uh, current mandate or you know jump at a mandate or anything really will uh, yeah. help libertarians set all of this aside because there has been a lot of infighting, um, which does look poorly upon people that are you know, curious about the philosophy, the the party itself, looking to get involved, and then they, yep. you know, look behind the door, they see all this infighting, and it's like, ooh, I'm not going in there. So, yeah, you know, I, I've kind of, uh, from what I've seen, at least, you know, today, there's been a lot of people saying, okay, let's put a lot of this aside, like, we've got a bigger monster to attack. So, I'm really hoping. I hope so. I, I really do hope that this uh that this gives us
1: something to fight behind. I also hope that the lockdowns would too, and, yeah. and unfortunately. I, I well I, I will say this. I think it gave us a lot of unity, but I think there were some people that either were okay with the lockdowns or wanted to talk about something else instead. And I'm like, why? What else is there to talk about right now? Yeah. in this moment. Yes, we can still talk about police brutality, and that's yeah. important to talk about. Yes, we can still talk about immigration, uh, 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 immigration enforcement, and its and its abuses. We can talk about the wars. We can talk about all this stuff. But right now, all, the vast majority of Americans are being told at the state and to some extent the federal government level that their lives are not their own and that they can't go outside and that they don't even care if it ruins everything they've spent however many years or decades building while they then simultaneously hand off trillions of dollars to people multi-billionaires to make sure that their bottom line doesn't go down even this much Mm -hmm. during you know this terrible thing that's going on um you know we basically watched universal basic income for billionaires while the rest of us were handed a pittance you know i'm retired no i can't imagine how someone who was not allowed to work last year could have made eighteen hundred dollars work for most of the year i I don't know how they could have done it or i'm I'm in a household of two so that would have been thirty six hundred there is no way that thirty six hundred dollars would have been able to last for us, a month. But even yeah. even if I if we lived much more modestly, two months, three yeah. months, maybe maybe how? Like if you're renting, like I don't even think past two months. How? Not uh, not
0: with the prices now. They just
1: handed all this off.
0: Yeah, it's it's quite ridiculous. You know, uh, these are also some of the people that are also fighting for fifteen. You know, fighting for uh, the fifteen dollar minimum wage, which you know that that's a whole other story but you're only going to yeah. hand over $1800 per person over uh, what it took 8 9 months to get the full 18 to everyone and then yep you know, that's all supposed to be good they uh, just recently cut people off of uh state assistance oddly enough on labor day of all days which i thought was <laughs> Pretty, (laughs) pretty interesting. It's It's kind of appropriate, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, Commie Day, so that's just wonderful. It's, I don't know. I'm, I'm really hoping that this, this really will bring everyone together. I was super disappointed with the mask mandate, the lockdowns, uh, and the messaging that did not come from the national party. So, keeping my fingers crossed. I've seen a lot of uh, good messaging coming out so far, but you know. Who knows if that's going to hold up or what's going to happen?
1: Whatever. Here's the thing. Whatever. This is this is something I learned in business. Uh, you you mentioned it in my introduction. I I, I was in business for <clears throat> almost twenty years. Um, that business. I was in web design and startup business. I started when I was sixteen, and I stopped when I was. I retired when I was thirty-four, and in that time one of the most powerful things i learned is that you can have a great plan you can have a uh, basically a a, a, you know a a clamshell waiting for you to pick the uh the the, um the pearl out you can have you know the best opportunity in the world and if other people don't want to go along with you that's okay you can explain to them why they should you can you know explain the alternative and the opportunity cost of, of not getting involved Um, But if they don't do it, that's fine. You just have to do it yourself or with other people who want to work with you. We're going to fight this. We're going to encourage the mass noncompliance that needs to be done, not just for this, but for all of this, to put an end to this. Because government uh, tyranny and the the constant growth of infringements on every aspect of our lives is never going to end until they realize that we're not going to go along with it. And it, it takes a few percentage of the population to go along with it. Not half, not even a quarter, five to 10% is sufficient to make it impossible for this to make, for them to make us do these things. We're going to fight for it anyway. And there are going to be some libertarians who either think it's the wrong kind of messaging or who agree with these mandates and don't want to fight against them or who think it's the wrong hill to fight on or who whatever, are worried about the, the message it'll send to the, you know, inside the the beltway people that they desperately want pats on the head from, whatever it is, we're going to do it without them. We have to. The alternative is to just shrug our shoulders and say, well, I guess it's going to be this way. We weren't all behind it, so I guess that is what it is. If even... Half of us are willing to do this, if even a third of us are willing to do this. And and the reality is it's much higher than either of those. But whatever number of us are willing to do it, we will work together with others to get it done. And we will be the ones who lead by example to show our communities, to show this country, to show this planet at this point, because we're on social media. Everyone can see it to show the world that it's libertarians who are leading this fight, leading this fight for freedom. And we will, we're always exonerated, but this time, in addition to being exonerated by history of being right, this time we're going to fight until we actually win too.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I've definitely been pushing a lot more uh, agorism, you know, working with each other. Um, let's, uh, Let's utilize some of these things that we have. Let's work outside the system a little bit and... Really push for what's right let's use some crypto and buy somebody some food um the idea that some business could deny somebody some food just because of their vaccine status is such a terrifying you know possible reality that it's be forced to yeah be
1: forced to this isn't some again if this were some, you know, you had a handful of branch covidians who, you know, run their own uh, uh, stores or restaurants and they go, uh, well, I'm very scared of the the virus. And therefore, I don't want people in who aren't you know, vaccinated and had their third booster shot or whatever and, and aren't wearing a mask and, and won't stay, you know, six plus feet away from it. OK, fine. Do that. Yeah. I, I don't know if your business will survive that, but whatever good who knows maybe those businesses will thrive maybe all the people that are also you know uh, uh disproportionately scared of this virus can go there and and hang out together well not together far apart yeah and and feel safe i'm fine with that yeah this is about being forced to do this and it we have to resist it you know we can't wait for you know we're being told there's lawsuits and that's true great wonderful we can't trust the government to stop the government from doing something the government wants to do. You know, we're, we're talking about investigations of, uh, you know, whether, whether gain, of research of, gain of function research led to this virus spreading and if people will get in trouble for it. That's fine, let's do that too. But we can't wait for government to investigate the government and find out if the government did anything wrong or not. We have to just resist. We have to say, no, I'm not going to do this. And maybe you aren't in a position to resist The vaccine mandate yeah but maybe you are in a position to resist other things we have to start putting our foot down and saying this is not just about me as an individual this is about our rights this is about our ability to be able to stop this because it's not going to end here the only way we're going to stop the stuff we're seeing in other countries and start rolling back the stuff we're seeing here is to refuse to comply and no. while we refuse to comply, we begin to build a movement to topple all of this and put the power
0: back in our hands where it always damn well belonged in the first place. Yeah, I would like to uh, plug hashtag mass noncompliance. That's uh, been something that a lot of people have been trying to uh, get trending. It was number 20 on Twitter just a couple hours ago. And then uh, right before this, I hopped on and magically it's disappeared. You know, it's just Yeah. yeah still there and uh, it's gonna keep climbing but they just won't show it so i mean i i really talked to a lot of different people like i said uh the the crypto community is really big on this you know the crypto anarchists and the 3d printers um printing 3d firearms how do you feel about all of these uh agorist states
1: oh agorism is the future i mean listen the 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 Federal Reserve is, and really the global banking system is being made obsolete by Bitcoin and the blockchain, painfully so. Um, it's reaching a point where literally the only thing that's that's going to keep anyone continuing to use um, fiat currency is force mandates yeah. to do so. Uh, that's going to become a battleground more and more so over time, as it just becomes an, an obvious uh, no brainer that you know crypto and and DeFi is you know, exponentially superior in every real way to, uh, to the the fiat banking system. Um, then you've got, you know, the, the, the blockchain systems that are being built around NFTs. You know, right now we think NFTs are about, you know, having a picture or a video and saving it and auctioning it off. And what we don't realize is NFTs are a registry for everything. They are a decentralized trustless registry of ownership of all things, including physical, physical, tangible things, land, homes, cars, durable goods, even this phone, everything. Yeah. Uh, and that replaces the need for a state deeding system. That replaces the need for you know things like patent offices. That replaces the need for a, a, quite a bit of the administrative state of, of government here and around the world. Um, and then you've got, you know, 3D manufacturing, which is eliminating the need for, you know, this this centralized infrastructural system that's being pushed for by government. It also completely nullifies uh, all of their laws in any real way. You can't own that gun. All right, I'll just make it myself. We're going to very soon have a reality where thanks to the, um, the, uh, the evolution of 3D manufacturing technology, coupled with the, you know, bloated and inefficient and uh, Slow to respond nature of government, you'll have a situation where new uh, types of small arms weapon systems will be conceptualized, created, and produced with no registration, no trace, no nothing, before government even knows it exists and is able to make up a, a you know make a competing version of it, much less try to stop people from making them. We are very close to that, and um, you know I, I think that uh, agorism is one of the many paths one of the many tools in our tool shed electoral politics is only one of them yeah Uh, you'll notice when i was talking about setting people free i wasn't just talking about getting people elected and i and for that matter i'm not just talking about going in and pushing for legislative changes there are a are also market based solutions that are going to be able to be pushed forward too. Mutual aid and charity as well. There are many different ways that we can, you know, skin this cat as it were, and I think we should be pushing for all of them. Um and build alliances in the meantime. This this, you know, do you choose agorism and crypto anarchy, or do you choose the electoral path? I see no need to have to choose between
0: them. I think that they're actually uh can be synergistic as well. Yeah. yeah uh, really all of it take any path we possibly can. I mean, the goal should be to be able to fight back and to take back our power in the most peaceful way possible. So why not be able to do that by rebuilding our communities, you know, using things like crypto, uh, working outside of the state itself, work for each other, work for our communities, buy the milk from the local farmer, buy the vegetables from the local vegetable farmer and, Barter and trade as much as you can. Actually know your neighbors, you know? And, yeah, yep, go, go to your city council meetings, your uh, county commission meetings, and let your voice be heard there. Don't... I, one person can't really make too much of a difference on a national scale, but it's really that community that matters. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's just... Uh, you know, it's it seems... Uh, not just logical but pretty uh obvious I guess to me and you know I've I've definitely spread that message around and it, to me it's always amazing uh how obvious it, it isn't to most people and it always just gives me the biggest smile when somebody's like you know what you're you're kind of right about that and I'm sure you get that quite a bit pushing these messages of liberty I do, and that's actually a, an appropriate
1: thing to, to end this interview on, is that disconnect between libertarians and, I guess, normies. You know, <laughs> I don't know about you. I was not always a libertarian. Were you always a libertarian, or did you used to be Republican, Democrat, whatever?
0: Um, I, I was definitely more a uh, big state when I was a little bit younger, but I, I started down the libertarian path pretty young.
1: Okay. But you do know what it's like to not be a libertarian, yes. maybe just earlier on. And, and I, I was a neo neocon until at least my early to mid 20s and I started making that transition towards being more of a you know traditional conservative to constitutionalist classical liberal eventually to you know being an anarcho capitalist and and it didn't happen overnight so I know what it's like to be led by my nose by corporate media <laughs> uh, mine was on the right side yeah. but it was that same thing being led by my nose but and actually i was being led by no, by my nose by left media too they told me what to hate yeah what to disagree yeah. with and what to knee-jerk react knee-jerk uh, agree with republicans on when they would say something um so i know what that's like there's also the additional of There are a lot of people who they don't even have time to look into this stuff they're up to their throats with bills and debt and loans and mortgages and you know their job and their kids and everything else and you know the government as we know makes everything harder they make the cost of living higher through centralized banking policy, through the Federal Reserve, through taxation. They make the barrier to entry to be able to thrive harder and harder with licensing and zoning and taxes and regulations and mandates and everything else. Uh, they make your ability to be able to even be able to function socially harder right now with these new things that they're introducing. They make your educa- cost of your education higher. They make the cost of your children's education higher and they make the ability for them to get a good education worse and worse. They make your communities less and less safe. They put more and more innocent people in jail while allowing and, 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 and helping for cartels and drug gangs to thrive, you know, their lives are so hard, often either because of government or certainly with no help from government, they don't have time to look into these things. And it's why it's crucial for us, even though I know what it's like to see, you know, most of the world cheering on authoritarianism in some form or another and thinking, look, look at these bootlicking status. But the reality is, especially when you factor in that most of us were like that at some point, But even if we weren't, even if most of us weren't like that at some point, these are human beings who have valid concerns. They just have a bad take on what to do about it, usually because they've only heard bad takes. So what an awesome opportunity when you find one of these folks who every single thing you say, they go, yeah, but what about the roads? What about our safety? What about our country? What about this? What about that? What an excellent opportunity to answer those <laughs> questions for them, to meet them where they are, to validate their concerns, to show that we care about that stuff too. We care about public safety. We don't want people to get shot in mass shootings in schools. We don't want to see people die from a pandemic. We don't want to see people die in terrorist attacks. We don't want to see people losing their jobs. We don't want to see the the, the cost of healthcare and housing and higher education become, you know, untenable and unreachable for most people. We, we care about these things too. And then from there we can show them our solutions and even if they don't immediately sign on and go yes i'm a libertarian you said (laughs) something logical and i agree with it 100 i'm just going to let all my previous biases you know melt away in this very moment at the very least you've planted seeds and if you stayed Someone that they actually wanted to talk to during that whole thing, even if you walked away disagreeing, they can't make those seeds go away. They can't just write you off as a kook or someone who didn't care or just selfish. They're going to say, wow, that person really made some good points. I still don't agree with them, but you know, they made some good points and it was nice talking to them. And those seeds germinate long after they've stopped talking about it or thinking about it. Their subconscious has to reconcile what they already believe with what they know to be true. And as that goes on, you see people more and more coming to me. And yeah, I, see, I hear it all the time. People that go, you know, the first video someone shared, I hated it. And you're wrong. I thought you were an idiot. <laughs> and then, you know, then you made a good point about this. And you made a good point about that. And, you know, now I'm I'm reading the books that you recommend that people read. And, and you know, there's nothing magic about me. I'm just meeting people where they are. And we can all do that. When you meet people when you, where they are, when you show them that they that you care, When you begin to help lower their cognitive defenses that everyone naturally has when presented with new ideas, especially ones that completely rebut what they've been told to be true, completely conflict with what they believe to be true, you're now basically attacking their belief system, which subconsciously in their lizard brain feels like you're attacking them. Whenever you, even if you're not presenting it as an attack, whenever you're able to reach them where they are and help lower those defenses by showing that you care and then presenting them with what the actual problem is and then presenting them with what the solution is, then you can take them on the path to liberty. It's it's how most of us got here at yeah. some point. And we can now do that favor to others. And when we do that, we will grow this movement into something, a leviathan that cannot be stopped. Because once an idea is out there, once a good idea is out there, it's impossible to bottle it. You can make it illegal to say it. You can make it illegal to implement it. You can fight people day long. You can put people in jail. You can threaten people with harm. But when people know the truth, when enough people know the truth, and when they're no longer scared to be able to say what the truth is and to resist, then we've already won. It's just a matter of watching it play out. Good ideas don't need force.
0: Yep, exactly. One quick question before you run. So you ran for 2020. Is there going to be a future spike (laughs) ticket? I don't know. I, I I certainly won't rule it out. Um,
1: here's sort of what I'm saying right now. And this is what I, w- I say to my family when they ask me. So this isn't like a political answer. I truly <laughs> don't know. It's not something, especially for 2024, it's not something that I'm even really going to seriously consider until at least like, probably close to a year from now. And the reason for that is there's just so much to do between yeah. now and then. And this was never about my personal political ambitions it about growing the movement. And if it's about growing the movement, then I need to focus on growing the movement, yeah. not on, you know, what I might do, you know, two, three years, start doing, you know, a year two, three years from now or whatever. I will say this, if I decide to run for president in 2024 or run for governor in 2026 or run for president in 2028 or Congress or Senate, whatever, I wouldn't be doing anything differently now. And if I instead go in another path where I'm just the guy who helps to grow the movement from the outside and to bring people into the movement, I wouldn't be doing anything differently than I am now. So regardless of what path that ends up taking, which I'm really fully open to anything at this point, my goal is to grow the movement and that's how I'm going to do that whatever path that I take. Like I said, it's not a political answer. I truly don't know what I I plan to do when it comes to 2024. Um, But uh, whatever I do, it will be what I determine to be the best way to help grow the movement. Um, If this were about my personal political ambitions, it's a lot easier than having anything to do with the Libertarian (laughs) Party. right? I can go run as a Liberty Republican or a Liberty – well, in my area, it would be a Republican. I'm in a deep red city of a deep red county of a deep red state. I go and I run as Spike Cohen, the Liberty Democrat – or Liberty Republican, and I go and get elected to state Senate, Congress, Senate, whatever, and I get to do my my thing and say libertarian stuff every once in a while, and when it's time for me to vote party line, I have to do it because that's what they put me in for, but they'll let me say the yep. stuff, and I get the speaking gigs and things like that. That would be what i do if it was for my personal political ambition. I'm here to grow a movement, and if it's a movement that I never see the full fruition of, then that meant that it needed to be done even more so because that meant that it was going to take that much longer to get it done if I didn't do it, so that... That's what I'm working on.
0: Well, that's that's absolutely wonderful. And we'll, uh, we'll have you back on in a, in a little while and uh, catch up with you, see, see how things are going. This was an absolute blast. So thank you for coming on. Uh, do you got anything to plug? Thank you for having me on, Jacob. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, of course. Anytime. So got anything to plug where people can find you?
1: Uh, well, you said it, uh, muddiedwatersmedia.com, uh, Muddy Waters Media, The Muddy Waters of Freedom, My Fellow Americans, as well as other shows that we have on Muddy Waters Media, Mr. America, The Bearded Truth, Cajun and Eskimo from Bio to Igloos, uh, specials that we have on there. You can follow all of that stuff by going to muddywatersmedia.com and signing up, or you can follow us on all every social media platform, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, uh, I think we're on Twitch. We're on everything. Uh, we're also on every podcasting platform uh, that's available. So just find us, Muddied Waters Media, and uh, and you can find us there. If you want to follow what I'm doing uh, as an individual, uh, SpikeCohen.com. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, on YouTube. I'm on TikTok for the kids, um, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty much on everything. Or you can keep follow me on SpikeCohen.com, see the upcoming events that I'm doing. Uh, when when is this going to air this week or it's going to be next week okay so next week i will be in pennsylvania uh for the liz terwilliger event you'll you can find out more about that uh when this airs if you follow me on my
0: social media or my website you'll see all the information i'll be in pennsylvania and i hope to see you there if you live nearby perfect yeah we'll have to try and get you out to utah because uh our convention's coming up next I'd year i'd love to be back yeah so. i would love that i had a great time in salt lake
1: city um, I got to see the Purple Mountain's Majesty. So literally, we're taking photos after the event. We're taking, you know, selfies. Everyone yeah. wants to take selfies, so we're taking group selfies, individual step selfies in Salt Lake City at the steps of the, uh, I believe, the Capitol Building, right on that top of that yep. hill. And someone said, "You're going to want to turn around now." And I turned around. It was around, I think, like seven something, six something like that. And uh, I'm watching the, uh, I'm watching the 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 sun go down and that purple glow on the yep. mountains. And I'm like, that's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And they're like, yep, that's the Purple Ma- Mountains majesty. And, I'm, and I thought, that's why they call it that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. So uh, I would love to come back
0: to Utah. I'd love to do that, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll get together. I'll talk to some people and everything and see what we can do. So. Cool. Perfect. Thank you for coming on. It was a great time. And uh, I'll let you know when this comes out. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, man. All right.
1: And